That's okay. Hello. I'm Marilyn, a recovering compulsive overeater, bulimic vomiter. <clears throat> and I'm sharing on honesty, step one principle, the big book on page 58, how it works. Rarely have we seen a person fail who has thoroughly followed our path. Those who do not recover are people who cannot or will not completely give themselves to this simple program. Usually men and women who are constitutionally incapable of being honest with themselves. They are such unfortunates. They are not at fault. This seemed to have been born that way. They are naturally incapable of grasping and developing a manner of living which demands rigorous honesty. Their chances are less than average. There are those, too, who have suffered from grave emotional mental disorders, but many of them do recover if they have the capacity to be honest. Our stories disclose in a general way what we used to be like, what happened, and what we are like now. If you have decided you want what we have and you're willing to go any lengths to get it, then you're ready to take certain steps. At some of these we bought, we thought we could find an easier, softer way, but we could not. With all the earnestness at our command, we beg of you to be fearless and thorough from the very start. Some of us have tried to hold on to our old ideas and result was nil until we let go absolutely. Remember, we deal with food that is cunning, baffling, powerful. Without help, it is too much for us. But there is one who has all power, and that one is God. May you find him now. Like I said, I'm Marilyn, a recovering compulsive overeater, bulimic vomiter. Um, when I was asked to lead this step, she, she told me it was on the principles and it was on honesty. And uh, she says, and you know why I asked you to talk about it, Marilyn? Because um, I used to tell her, what are you going to take to the grave? And she says, I'm going to take it to the grave. I'm not going to tell anyone. And I said, well, then stay fat. And we laughed about it, and we still laugh about it today. Um, when I first gave my inventory, uh, my sponsor, when I finished it, she says, now what are you going to take to the grave? And I said, well, um, I didn't think she was going to ask me. And she did, and I said, okay, and I told her something. And then she said, Anne, and then I told her something else, Anne. And I told her something else. She says, you need to do some more writing. Anyhow, I know that um, there's honesty, and then there's that real honesty down deep inside us. You know, being honest with myself. I have to do little things to keep myself honest. Um, when I came to this program, about, say I want to ex exaggerate and say 40 years ago. It was more like 38 or 39 years ago. And I lost 100 pounds. In six months, and I left because I just wanted to lose weight. And I remember um, someone would ask me, what step are you on? I go, what step are you on? They say, three. I go, me too. <laughs> and, and then they would ask, what step are you on? And they said, seven. I go, me too. I didn't even know what the steps were. And I didn't want to do the steps. I just wanted to lose the weight. So um, I stuck around for a while, and then... I moved on because there was more men in AA, and I had other purposes. So, um, and that wasn't so bad. I did really well there, but they weren't sick enough. I had to go to NA. And uh, <laughs> anyhow, it took a lot to get me back. 
and um, I've been I've I've lost over 100 pounds and I've been maintaining over 100 pounds and um, I've been I keep saying it's not the food and someone says oh yes it is Marilyn it's the food and I say you know I have the the belief I know it's an inside job and I know the food for me is a symptom and um, but when you come in here and you're new and you want to lose weight you don't want to hear that you just want to lose the weight and uh, but I know that um, the, for me to keep the weight off I need to do the steps and um, I uh, I remember um, talking about honesty. My sponsor suggested to me to look up rigorous honesty. And she says, I want you to look it up in the dictionary, and I want you to write it, and I want you to remember this. So then I got the dictionary, and I looked it up, and I did what she suggested. And um, I have to do little things to keep me honest. Like, before I used to jump on and off the scale all day long, all the time, now... um, then I thought, well, I'm not going to weigh myself anymore because my clothes don't lie. And then um, my sister says, Marilyn, you're not very honest, so I really think you need to weigh yourself. And I said, okay, I'll do that once a month. She goes, no, what about once a week? And I said, okay. And she goes, what day? And I go, Friday. She goes, no, Monday. And you know why? Because the weekends, I don't know, I have this thing in my head I'm free to do whatever I want on the weekends. <laughs> so it keeps me honest. And uh, I, uh, I'm just so grateful for all these little instructions, these suggested things to, for me to do to keep me honest. I write 10 steps. Early, I used to write a 10-step almost daily. And that's really important for me because it kept me honest. I had to see my part. When you point a finger at someone, three are pointing at you. And um, I remember my sponsor one time asking, she says, when you work these steps, Mel, are you going to sponsor? And I said, yes, why? And she said, because if you weren't, I wasn't going to sponsor you. And I said, oh, okay. Anyhow, part of my recovery was uh, she was... My sponsor had sponsored a lot of people, and none of them had she walk through the ten, the, the ten steps. Is it ten or twelve? See, I can't even remember. Well, that's pretty bad. See, I need to keep in check. Um, <laughs> so um, she suggested to me that um, I wrote ten steps, and I, and I sponsor people, and I do service. And I've been doing service for a long time here in Oi, and I love it because that's what keeps me coming back. And the people that I sponsor, I ask them too, are you going to sponsor? And they say yes. And she said to me, I hope the people you sponsor are just like you. And I go, why? I just always ask her why. And she said, because whatever I told you to do, you did. I was willing. I guess it takes what it takes. And... um, uh, as for taking the things to the grave, some things I didn't I didn't remember, and so it was hard for me to uh, to to share all these things. But as time went by, you get a clear and clear picture of your life and things that happened. One time I was in the cemetery, and um, 
my mother, um, my girlfriend's mother passed away. And while I was there, all of a sudden, I was going to take this to the grave. I stole from the cemetery. And uh, I never was going to tell anybody. And, um, and I was walking with these ladies, and I said, I stole from the cemetery. And they looked at me like I was a crazy lady. They weren't in recovery. They didn't even know me. And I, I would look at me, too, like that. Um, so uh, I got to write about it, and I was able to share about it. And um, I'm, I'm really grateful that I have this freedom. It says, we're as sick as our secrets. And I still have a lot of secrets pushed down inside me, and eventually they will, the time will come that I'll be able to share and I'll be able to deal with it. Some of us take longer than others. I'm another 12-step programs of recovery, and um, it, they all keep me honest. And uh, there's cash register honesty, and then there's that real deep honesty in ourselves. And one of the things that I learned to do was to tell myself I love me and every day. And I remember... I said, how can I love me? These love handles and all this stuff. She says, Marilyn, you have to love everything about you, good and bad, because that makes you whole. And I went, oh, okay. And I do, and I say, I love you, and if you want to go away, it's okay. (laughs) All I know is that um, the more honest I am with myself, the freer I am with my, my life and my recovery. I, I have a lot of little tools that have helped me. One of the things that I um, learned to do was say, shut my mouth, shut my mouth, shut my mouth. My mouth has got me in trouble. Not only what I eat, not, not only what comes out, but unkind words, sarcastic, gossip, you know, um, agreeing with others when you don't really agree with them. Uh, and I'm sponsoring this lady. She's just a beautiful lady. And I told her in, in a text, I said, shut my mouth, shut my mouth, shut my mouth. And she, she wrote back, oh, you're right, Marilyn. Close my mouth, close my mouth, close my mouth. She's so, so ladylike. She's so refined. I'm so glad. It keeps me more centered. Um, I, uh, let's see. Um, I thought I was going to have a lot of things to say. You know, I've been rushing. We were, we were eating dinner, and they were taking forever to come. And I thought, oh, I'm going to be late. I'm going to be late. And, and just recently, I, I went to a meeting, and they were talking about time management. And I'm late a lot of times. And then he, he, this guy was sharing. He said, you're not only affecting your spirit by being late, but you affect everybody in that room because you distract them. And when they said that, because I'm such a people pleaser, I don't want to hurt anybody or offend anybody or distract them. And so I've really been making an effort to be on time to everything that I do now. Um, And uh, I don't ask anybody to do anything that I haven't done. And if I haven't been through something, I'll tell them. I say, you know what, I've never experienced that but I know somebody that has, would you like, to, let me ask them if they, I can give your number to them and you can call them. And that's been really good for me. Um, 
I go to another, well, I go to other programs, and they call it bookend. And uh, when I have to call somebody and tell them that I'm not able to pay them, I'll, um, I'll call someone and I'll tell them, oh, i got to call this customer and tell them I'm not able to pay them. says, okay, what are you going to say? And I'm going to tell them that I can't pay them, but as soon as I get the money, I'll pay them. And, I, and, I, and what if he says, well, what are you going to pay me? And I said, as soon as I get the money, it'll be the first one I pay. And then, so I did. And I called the customer and I said, um, I know my payment's due. I said, but as soon as I get a check, I will pay you. And he says, well, when are you going to get the check? I said, I don't know, but as soon as I get the check, I will pay you. He goes, okay. And it was worse in my head than what it really was. And then he hung up, and so then I got on the phone, and I called that person back to let him know what happened. Sometimes it's worse in your head than what it really is. That's why it's so important to write. Writing has, has really helped me see things how it really is because I I used to say I don't lie I just embellish and uh, you know I try to find other words so it doesn't sound so bad um, because I want to be an honest person and um, I remember when I was in boarding school and I was at a retreat and this priest um, he had this lady in this parish, and she's kind of homely, and so was her husband, and they were going to have a baby. And he said, oh, no, he dreads when she has that baby, and she's going to come with that baby. He says, I don't want to lie. And so one day she did come with her baby, and he looked at the baby, and he said, now that's a baby. So my girlfriend had this ugly dress, and I didn't want to tell her it was ugly because she really liked it. And I said, now that's a dress. So now we do... <laughs> We do this a lot, too, and so anybody that knows this, it, you know, we understand, so we don't, you know, hurt anybody. Um, I'm trying to think. Uh, I thought I had a lot of things to talk about. I was told I was going to speak on hope, and so I was real geared to talk about hope, and then they said, no, you're going to talk about honesty. I said, oh, okay, I, I can talk about honesty, and... Um, I'm honestly so happy to be here, and I'm so happy that all of you are here, and I hope you all keep coming back. And don't be afraid to be honest. I have to tell you this story real quick. Uh, one more thing, real fast. Um, this alcoholic was in the hole, and a priest came by and threw him a piece of paper and said, you know, threw him this paper of prayer. And then um, this doctor came by, and he passed a, a paper of prescription, and then the alcoholic looked, and he jumped in because he knows how to get out of the hole. And that's what we do. We help one another. So I hope you all keep coming back. Okay, um, I guess we'll have you share. Come up here and share anything you want on honesty if you can. And, um, and uh, we have a timer here. Anybody wants to start? Hi, my name is Laurel, and I'm a compulsive eater. Thank you so much for your share. It just made me see how I can apply honesty a little more to my program. Um, I um, 
has had a two-year stint in CEA How. If anybody knows about what that is, it's Compulsive Eaters Anonymous How. And I got struck abstinent. I lost 70 pounds. And then I um, started experimenting with sugar-free candies and desserts. And then before I knew it, I was back into sugar and all of that. And, of course, I was doing it all by myself. And this went on for three and a half months, and I kept telling myself I was afraid to get on the scale. And I, can, and I, wasn't, I, I had nobody to talk to, really, about it. I tried to talk about it, but it just really wasn't doing anything for me. And I didn't take the time to go to any OA meetings and start talking about it so much. And um, three and a half months later, I thought it was a 15 or 20-pound weight gain, and I couldn't fit into my dresses or any of my skirts. It's a 47-pound weight gain. And I called that denial. But now I did. A, I was doing some My sponsor had me doing some writing on um, based on the um, Chapter 3, more about alcoholism. And um, I realized, why the hell didn't I step on the scale like a month into it? I, it, the thought never crossed my mind. And that dishonesty, I mean, it well, that was dishonest. I was being dishonest with myself. It's like I was calling that denial, but denial and dishonesty, I think, could be the, I, I think dishonesty is in that same category. Um, and I see that I was not being honest with myself. And I was deluding myself into believing it was something that it wasn't. And now I'm just hating myself. Um, I hate where I am. I hate my body. Um, and I am having a lot of trouble embracing this program because, because I know that I'm going to have to get honest with people about what is going on with me on a day-to-day -day basis. And I don't want to burden you guys with that. You know, these really stupid things like... I'm really scared of my client. I'm scared of what she's going to think or say or do, and so I'm feeling really anxious, or I'm going off about my body, and I, my head has just been, like, I never wanted to admit just how negative my thinking was. And, and I really saw that once I got into the rooms of OA because there's so much love and so, so much unconditional love here that I feel in, in the meeting. I don't feel judgment and criticism like I felt in CEA How. Um, so um, I'm really having trouble making that, um, you know, making that transition, and that's reflecting in my food. Um, like getting an abstinence that works for me, that I can, uh, you know, being honest with my food. Like I don't want to call my sponsor and tell her I broke my abstinence again. This is like day one again for me off of sugar. And I don't even know if that's what's going to be really the best for me either. But just calling my sponsor and being honest with somebody about what I ate, I feel like I might as well just take off all my clothes and go out on the street. That's how ashamed I am to talk about it. I'm not binging. Just to tell her I ate sugar again, you know, I had desserts. Um, so it just takes everything I have just to pick up the phone. And every time I pick up the phone, it's a positive experience. But um, I'm just not sure how to get from point A where I am right now, which is, you know, really, you know, 
whatever like stuck inside of myself to point B like being able to really reach out and and utilize the fellowship you know uh, along with the other tools so I really appreciate you letting me share and I hope that maybe somebody might have derived something that would help them not go up the scale so quickly like I did thanks My name is Lori. It's taken me about 17 years to surrender. Oh, yeah, most of our readers. Sorry, Lori. <laughs> um, it's taken me about 17 years to actually surrender and say that I'll start going to OA meetings. I started about 17 years ago going into some of the rooms and going back out. And finally, last June, I was in a meeting, and during the silent time, I literally heard God say to me, are you ready to surrender? Because you're going to be here a long, long time. And I finally said yes, because I'm very, yeah, just, you know, I've always been, I felt like pretty honest with people for the most part. You know, I'm just going to say this, and a lot of people don't like it. I've been a Christian for a long time, and I've worked on trying to be honest. But I'll tell you, when it comes to food and things that he's showing me now, like what she was talking about deep, deep down, I don't want to call a sponsor and tell her what I'm eating every day. And just recently, I had an experience where I was dealing with having had a couple abortions when I was 19 and 20. And I've had a lot of, I just, this last year, God's been doing a lot of healing in my life regarding that. But um, we had this uh, meditation of this thing that I did where you go back and you talk to that 20-year-old. And I realized for two days, all I wanted was Doritos, (laughs) nacho cheese Doritos. That's not even one of my comfort foods anymore. But I went and bought a huge bag, and I'm sitting there eating it, and I go, this is what, when I was that age, exactly what I was eating. And so I told my sponsor, who I do have a sponsor, and I told her that. She goes, that's the first time you've mentioned anything to food, about food to me in months. She's a friend of mine, too. But I'm just like, you're right. I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about what I'm eating. And I just, this is a big thing for me that God has got to work out in my life and help me because... Um, you know, one of my really good friends here wants me to call her and call in my food, who's been in OA for years, Fran, who spoke at the last one. And I'm like, and I don't want to do it. But I know eventually I have to do it. Anyways, that's it. Hi, thanks for your service. I'm Felina, I'm a compulsive overeater. Heart is pounding. That's usually what happens, right? Um, honesty. I, uh, I've been given a lot in this program, a heck of a lot. I've been given a life, and that's great. Um, and, I, and I really owe everything in my life to this program, really. Honestly, it's not an exaggeration. And I... 
I, it's funny, I go to this regular Saturday big book study meeting out in Palm Desert, which is really, really awesome. And every week I'm like, I'm really struggling with something. <laughs> it's every week I'm struggling with something. But I'm abstinent. And, um, and I know that that's the path. And I know that that's my path. And the thing I want to be honest about struggling with right now is, um, is a relationship. <laughs> and, um, you know, I'm one of those who's uh, never been married, never had kids. Um, and I've I'm in a relationship with somebody who's in another fellowship who's working his program to the best of his ability, which I won't comment on. <laughs> and I am struggling so much with my own character defects and recognizing how much of, you know, I had to do when I did my four step and I did a sex inventory, I looked at my previous relationships and how I had treated men. Oh not very nice. It was all about me and what you're going to do for me and what I'm going to get, and it was bad. And so I'm trying to amend that behavior in the situation, and there's a huge part of me that's, try- that's asking God to take my character defects of selfishness and of impatience, and then there's the other part of me, which is saying, I've waited so long for the brass ring, and I really, really want to be loved the way I believe I deserve to be loved. And I'm praying about it, and I'm praying, and I'm writing, and I'm talking, and I'm praying, and I'm praying, and I'm praying, and 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 there's no clarity yet. And of course, I know what that means is it's not time for action yet. And that is so uncomfortable for an addict like me because I'm a compulsive addict. <laughs> you know, I want to do something all the time. And um, right now, I know what I'm supposed to do is I'm supposed to be here. I'm supposed to be with my fellows. I'm supposed to be honest that this is really painful. You know, I used to be one of those who, you know, would look at couples walking down the street and think, oh, you know, they're having, you know, ro- flowers and, you know, and candles and it's all romantic and I'm the only loser on the planet. <laughs> and and now, if you looked at me in the sky, you'd be like, wow, you know, it's like the picture is really, really nice. And he's a good man, and I'm a good woman, and um, we have a lot of baggage, a lot. And the question is, um, do I have the patience to look at my stuff really, really honestly? And it's so uncomfortable. It's old. It's crusty. It's like been there since I was knee-high to a grasshopper. But I'm willing to talk about it, and I'm willing not to, just for today, not to eat over it. Because that's all I, know, I ever knew how to do in my life. I knew how to eat, and then I knew how to eat some more. And I, I don't have to do that today, and I'm really grateful to you guys for that. So thanks for letting me share. One day I'm a compulsive overeater. Well, I know things are bad when I get up here and I start crying. I haven't even said anything. (laughs) I'm just so grateful to be in an Overeaters Anonymous meeting. You have no idea. No idea. I also go to another fellowship, um, which has helped me greatly. But this is my primary addiction. And um, I know the program works. I know it does because I did it myself um, with the help of, of course, the, the fellowship. But 
um, there's always some point where I get the idea that I know what I'm doing, and I say thanks for the whatever, and I, I you know, take that first bite of whatever I know I shouldn't. Um, but I know I know the program works. I I just I love being here. I'm so excited. I don't know what to do with myself. I mean, this is not me. This I am not somebody who will spontaneously get up and start talking. But if we're talking about honesty, I owe my life to Overeaters Anonymous because um, I would not have my wonderful husband if it were not for Overeaters Anonymous. And without my husband, there would be nothing really in my life uh, that's worthwhile. Um, I stay away from people. I don't do relationships very well. And I thought I did. That's the scary part to me is that the honesty that you have to look at, well, okay, so why don't you have any friends? Well, because I can't find any suitable people. I mean, you know, it's always, it's, it's always, you know, the problem is always out there. But, I mean, the other fellowship has very, very wonderfully pounded into my head that I am the problem today. That is what I get up thinking. I'm the problem, which is good news because if I weren't the problem and the problem were external, then I would be in a lot of trouble because um, I have no power over that. And I have no power over myself a lot of the time, it feels like. Um, but I'm just, I wish I could say something coherent. And of course, you know, when, when you hear the tape and you, you say, oh, that sounded good, but you know, I, I, I feel like I'm just babbling. Um, the program works. I love being here. We drove down here um, in you know 118 degrees for six hours because it's that important. Um, it's that important. Without this program, I don't have a shot. I don't have a chance. I have a head that tells me that it's okay to have dessert at Applebee's. I have a head that tells me all kinds of completely wrong things and I need to have feedback from people and I need fellowship and I need people who share my affliction which actually turns out to be a really wonderful thing um, I know in the other uh, program that I'm in people always say you know I'm a grateful blank blank and um, I'm, I'm a grateful overeater because I know this program works <laughs> And I know it, it's in my hands. And I know I have a higher power. I didn't have a higher power when I first got here. I mean, I walked into my first meeting in 1990, and I walked right out because I said, this is not for me. I have a weight problem. Why are these people talking about God? That is t totally incongruous, has nothing to do with my fat. Um, <laughs> but, you know, as you know, there's nowhere else to go. Nobody else understands us. Nobody else cares. You know, they love to pass judgment. They love to look you up and down as though you can't see them doing that. I mean, you know, and people, people are just plain rude about it. It's, it's sort of amazing to me. But my head tells me, you look fine. You look fine. That's called body dysmorphic disorder, if anybody cares. Um, I don't look fine. I'm over 100 pounds overweight. And I'm just, I'm so glad to be back in a place where people understand and, and where it's possible to have a wonderful life. Um, and thanks for letting me share.
Hi, I'm Megan, and I'm Hi, a Pulseville reader. Um, coming up here is big. I'm probably the shyest person you'll ever meet. Um, honesty has been probably the biggest thing in my life. I've been in program probably over a little over two years, and um, it's amazing how things have changed just with having people that actually accept you. I was probably the biggest people pleaser in the world. I uh, I let people use me, and I used them, and it was it was great. You know, if someone even said hi to me, I was like, oh, hi, we're best friends. <laughs> the guy smiled at me. I was in love. You know, I was like, who on earth would want to be with me? So hey, how are you doing? And it's it's sad when you look back and. You can see all the mistakes you made, but you can't do anything to change it. I mean, you can change it now, but it's like you just wish you would have that clarity where you're like, okay, stop being a moron, pray about it, and actually enjoy your life. And I think I have commitment issues on top of it, and I can finally say that out loud. I have this amazing guy, and I can't commit and I feel bad I keep seeing other things and I'm like I'm young you know maybe I should go out and flirt and I've never met anyone that just wants me to be me and work my program and I love him but I can't fully commit and telling him that's been really hard and I don't know what to do but I think it's the step that I'm being honest about it with them and communicating that maybe honesty is the one thing that's going to save me and program definitely if I didn't have program I'd I don't know where I'd be, um, but I've been looking forward to this all year long. This is the one place where I actually feel like myself, even the shy person. Uh, thank you. Hi, I'm Fran. I'm a compulsive overeater. Um, I shared last time, so I wasn't going to share again, but honesty is uh, key for me in recovery. Um, I started in, into recovery in October of 1987, and at that point in, in my life, my father had had Alzheimer's for 10 years. And I was primarily responsible for him and supporting my mother in his disease process. And <clears throat> he uh, was in a home and he fell out of bed, broke his hip, and he was in the intensive care unit and the nurses called and said, um, he's not going to make it, this fever is this and And I said, thank you, God, thank you, God. So, you know, it's over. Well, guess what? He got better. <laughs> and I i was relatively new in recovery. I mean, I'd probably only been to meetings for maybe two or three months. But somebody said to me, you be honest with God and let him know exactly what you're feeling. I was so pissed at God. I was furious because I thought, you know, this is it. It's over, and now I, I had to start dealing with it again. And so I, I 
got on my knees, and which is another thing that recovery taught me to do. And I, I put my head on the bed, and I just started sobbing. And I told God, you know, every, every everything I needed to say to him. And that was one of the first times in my life that I had been able to be really, really honest about something that was that deep. But I can't remember your name. Marilyn, like Marilyn talked about. These feelings were way down inside. And, um, you know, I love my dad, but it was a nightmare. Any of you who have Alzheimer's in your family know what I'm talking about. It's a nightmare having to to care for these people and be responsible for them. I became my parents' parent, basically, was what I was doing. The other thing about honesty for me and what recovery taught me, for those of you who weren't here last time, I've been abstinent for 25 years, and I have a 50-pound weight loss, so I have a lot of experience in a way, and I'm extremely, I'm extremely grateful. I was so afraid to be honest before I got in to Overeaters Anonymous because I was afraid of what you would think of me if I made a mistake. When I grew up, it wasn't that I made a mistake, I was the mistake. And the shame of that, that my parents put on me, was kept me from being honest. I'm a retired RN, and I made medication errors, and I never reported it because I was so afraid, to be honest, about making a mistake and about what I had done. Of course, it, people got found, it got found out, and I had to come clean. I thankfully never hurt anybody or killed anybody in the process, but I could have. These are two two examples of not being able to be honest, and it gets transferred to our food. We can't be honest with ourselves about what's going in our mouth. We can't be honest with our sponsors about what's going in our mouth. We can't hide it, you know. I was 50 pounds heavier on a 5'3 body. I was chubby. So honesty has been the key for me. And I tell my sponsees, the more concrete you can get with what you're going to eat and what's going in your mouth. In other words, the more honest you can be, the easier and the better it'll get. And the weight will come off and it'll get easier. Thank you for letting me share. I'm Carolyn, and I'm a compulsive overeater. Um, To be perfectly honest with all of you, I'm absolutely terrified to be here this weekend. Um, I came to the Sacramento R2 convention last year after having been in program for a year, and I felt the exact same way. Um, One of my biggest fears is going to a place where I don't know very many people or where there are people that maybe I've met before Um, but I don't quite remember them, and they don't quite remember me. It's a really huge fear of mine. It makes me feel so uncomfortable. And it's something that I still carry with me. 
Um, right now, um, I'm thinking about dinner because I'm a compulsive overeater. I'm always thinking about, you know, what I'm going to eat next and what, what will abstinent food be. And um, because I tend to isolate, and I tend to isolate and eat, the thing that I'm fearing most right now is dinner because I know I'm going to have to go eat in a public place. Um, and that just makes me feel really uncomfortable. Um, over the last week, um, I've been really fortunate because I realized that I was being very dishonest about my food. Um, I haven't eaten sugar in a really long time. I haven't had alcohol in a really long time. Um, but I had this kind of anti-diet mentality where, you know, there were a lot of things that um, I was eating that I have no business eating because when I start, I can't stop. Um, and it hit me last weekend what those foods were. Um, and... Um, it really hurts to be honest about that, you know, to, to give those things up. But at the same time, there's such freedom in it. I can't tell you the peace I've had over the last week just knowing that I wasn't going to eat those things. So, anyway, thank you. My name is Kay Suzanne, and I'm a compulsive reader food addict. Thank you very much, Marilyn. When I saw that, the title of this, or the theme for this uh, meeting was honesty. I thought, okay, that's where you need to go. I really like what you shared about in the early days when people were talking about the steps. and Oh, I'm on that one. And I thought that was, it was funny, but it was, I could really relate because I first came into an OA meeting when I was 21, and I'll be 53 this year. I've been in and out, and a lot of it has been because of my recalcitrance around being honest. And in my mind, I would say, well, you know, I, I, I do all of this, this self-help and this, this, you know, I'm up there in the Bodhi tree with Buddha and I'm really into letting all this stuff out and, and looking at it and, but you're 300 pounds or you're 250 pounds or you've released 100 pounds and all of a sudden, wow, it's back here again. And therefore there must be an issue with honesty. And I'm really grateful to say that Last year, I, I had a relapse. I had released about 60 pounds, and I had knee surgery and went to a place where I thought, well, I can't exercise. That's why I'm gaining weight. And But it was because I increased my food. I wasn't – fortunately, I've been abstinent from sugar for probably 30 years, which is a blessing. But – that's not my major binge food. That's why. <laughs> the other things, <laughs> that was never that big of an issue. It's the other things. And I saw those coming back in my life. And the one thing that my sponsor said, well, let's do the steps. And I had to be honest with her and say that I've always done the steps haphazardly. I'll do four steps. I've done the fourth step. What about the other eight? And... <laughs> 
I'm really grateful that I'm actually on my third round of doing the steps, and each time something comes out, and I actually read the big book now, and it's about being honest. And I also wanted to say that I love what you said about agreeing with people. All my life, I've, I'm the nice K. Susan. Well, I used to be Karen. I, I dropped the A-R-E-N and went to K. Susan. I'm so nice and so sweet. And I would agree with people many times or not speak my truth. And then I would leave and I'd go, oh. <laughs> I go, oh. I was too nice and too good to curse, but I was still, oh, oh, oh. And all of that got stuck in here. And I'd grow and grow and grow. And then sometimes I'd come together, but then I'd grow, 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 grow. I could never stay at a, at a, at a place or a weight that was comfortable for my five-foot-two body. So I'm grateful today that I'm willing to be honest. That's what it is, willing. Thank you. Hi, I'm Leticia, compulsive overeater. I came up a couple times, and I'm like, now I totally left my head what I was going to say, so that's probably a good thing, you know, because when I plan stuff, oh, my goodness, and I don't run it by someone, <laughs> it gets me in trouble. Um, honesty, uh, that is a tough one. Uh, I think I relate to that, you know, being the good girl. Oh, jeez, the epitome of the good girl. You look up good girl in the dictionary, is my picture. <laughs> And, you know, and, but along with being a good girl came along some things. I had to be wise. I could never be wrong. So I couldn't be dishonest. Oh, no, 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 no. But if something came up and it turns out I was wrong, no, 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 it was just a mistake. You know, it, it was not possible for me to be wrong. I manipulated and twisted every word that everybody else said or the thoughts that came into my head until they fit my picture. And I continuously did that. And I could never figure out why I wasn't happy. What was it that kept me from living a full life? You know, I heard about relationships. 42 years old, never had a romantic relationship in my life ever because I was too busy trying to keep everything in control you know there's no way I could be honest with anyone to that level because they would discover what freaking monster was hiding underneath all of it there's no way I could be that honest and now in program I have been taught to be honest about the deepest, darkest things, to share those things with other people, to really say, I thought this. I thought this came to my mind. And to have the person on the other side say, oh, okay. I'm like, what do you mean, okay? And she said, well, I've done this, and it's, I think it's kind of bad, too. And I'm like, no, 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 no. What do you, did you not hear what was in my mind, what was in my head, what I wanted to do? And they said, yeah, I heard you. This is what you said. You're okay. And I'm like, oh, my God, I'm okay. And so for the longest time, I've been trying to be perfect 
and there's no way there's honesty is going to fit in there. And so as I become honest, little by little, you know, what did they say, little by slow? Little by little, as I'm becoming more honest, I'm more able to accept myself, that I'm okay, even with all my character defects, that I'm okay. And you guys are the ones that make this possible. Thank you. Hi, I'm Maureen, a compulsive eater and sugar addict. Hi. What a great topic. What a great group of people. Isn't it nice to be here with so many like-minded people that understand? Okay, honesty. I came into the rooms in 1989 and got a sponsor. And when she said, well, you're going to write your food down and give it to me every day, I went, what? (laughs) No one ever knew what I ate. I learned growing up, because my mother was very controlling of food in the house, to hide it. And I hid and ate in a closet that I had a walk-in closet. And I could hide and eat. And then I learned when I got a driver's license that I could have it in the car and hide. And I did a lot of hiding. So I think with honesty for me, it's once I speak it and it's out of my body... It gives the life of the dishonesty less power. And um, so I've been in the rooms many, many, many years, and I can say I only have two years of back-to-back abstinence from sugar and flour. Uh, And I've released 65 pounds and kept it off for about 13 years. But in those years, I struggled a lot with relapse, uh, slips and relapse. Uh, And the most difficult thing was to call my sponsor and tell her and that I knew that when I did that there was going to be a freedom and every time I did that because she she wasn't she never any of the sponsors I had blamed or said anything negative like I got from my mother Um, and my last one was two years ago in April we had gone on a two week trip on my bucket list to Ireland I had been abstinent the entire time like this and on the last day they had us leaving at 4 o'clock in the morning or 5 whatever ungodly hour it was and the kitchen wasn't open so they did a spread of all this stuff that mostly I couldn't eat and I went oh eff it And I just started on, and once I get sugar into my body, I'm a sugar addict. Once I get sugar into my body, that's all I did. So the whole trip home, every airport we stopped in, I just combed them. And when I got home, I told my, I called my sponsor up and I said, damn, I was absent in 13 days and I missed that last day. And she said, I said, I I said, I lost my abstinence. That's what I said. And she said, what about the other 13 days? And I will never forget that. I hadn't, I put all the thing on the loss of the abstinence and not about the other 13 days. And what I also learned is I need to do a daily 10th step, which I do now, and especially on trips, because I build up resentments about what other people are eating and what I think I can't, you know, don't have. So I have, you know, what, and I've heard what you eat is none of my business, but it is, because I see. (laughs) And... 
you know, when you pay for these trips, that food is all available. It's like, oh, all this spread, and I, you know, but anyway, so that's, thank you very much. Thank you. I'm Cheryl, and I'm a compulsive overeater. Thank you, Marilyn. I, I really liked what you had to say. Um, and I also spoke before, but this is one of my topics. Um, so honesty, I think you mentioned cash register honesty. So, you know, I've always considered myself an honest person. Like, I wouldn't steal from you. I wouldn't tell you I'd been somewhere I hadn't been. I would, I would tell you the truth. I would. But I don't tell myself the truth sometimes. And I say I have a bad case of the tomorrows because <laughs> it's my worst affliction. You know, it's like, a, well, I'm going to do this now, but I'll get to, you know, the way I'm supposed to do it tomorrow. And, you know, there was a period in my life when I had eight years of tomorrows. Seriously, eight years. Tomorrow, 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 tomorrow. And finally, you know, I got on board again. Um, but it's so easy to delude oneself into thinking that, um, you know, this is really okay. And, you know, I guess if I wasn't a compul, I think of myself actually as a food addict. And if I wasn't an addict, I guess it would be okay because it would be just this one time. Except that we all know that when we're compulsive overeaters, it's not just this one time. You know, they say that you can't really eat enough in one meal to do any damage except for us. It just gets the ball rolling, you know, and then it's, and then it is tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow. Um, so that's the problem. And I can convince myself. I can have big visions or I can get really myopic, depending on which serves me the best at the time. So, <laughs> so I, you know, I, and I can say to myself, well, if I do this, is this really getting me to my long-term goal? Um, it's like, well, I'll think about that tomorrow. And, <laughs> and um, so I can just look at things, you know, very myopically and very focused on what I'm doing right now. And, um, it's just really hard. Oh, so there was a time, I think you used to think about um, talking about uh, you were only as sick as our secrets. So there was a time in my life when I decided to tell my secrets, all of my secrets. And most of the secrets that I had that were so serious to me were things that people had done to me. They weren't even things, you know, like my um, step-grandfather had molested me. Well, that isn't anything I did, but it was a source of great, great shame to me. And so I, um, you know, decided that I needed to tell that to somebody, and and I did. And now, I, you know, now I can talk about it. It's just kind of, I've talked about it so many times now that it's just kind of like, well, this is just part of my story. You know, the angst and the aggravation and the shame is, it's really left from, it's been totally defizzed. It's just not there. Um, so, I th and I think that did me a lot of good to get those secrets out of my, And but you know, the thing is, well, I mean, that's a pretty, it's not an awful secret. It's an awful thing that happened. But some of the things I had to tell people were like, they'd look at me uh, like waiting for the rest of the story. <laughs> it's like, that is the story. They go, that's it? You know? <laughs> uh, like, really? That, that's the worst thing you have to tell me? That isn't even hardly anything. And it's like, how do we get these little stupid things, you know, in our, just burrow their way in and we have so much embarrassment or shame about them and they're, and we tell them to somebody else. And I've had people tell me secrets that I'm kind of the other person going, and? And that's it? 
And so that's really helpful because it, you know, it takes this size 10 secret down to a less than a size 1 secret because it really isn't even that important at all. So anyway, so I, I try to um, work on my own self-honesty and stop telling myself stories. And, um, you know, I make progress when we talk about this is progress, not perfection. And to remember, um, as you said, about the 13 days <laughs> that were good, not the one that wasn't. And give ourselves some credit for all, all the things that we do to make. When I stop and kind of do an inventory of myself and think back of when I got here many years ago, how much progress I've made. I've made a lot of progress. A lot. But I'm not perfect. I, I'm not. And I don't really expect that I ever will be. Um, so thanks for listening to me. I appreciate it. I want to thank everybody for coming and listening and sharing. And um, we can form a circle and say the serenity prayer.